Hey, Rockbridge, my name is Matt, one of the pastors on our team. Welcome at all six of our physical locations and to those of you that are watching digitally or watching online. As you saw in that bumper video, we've got a, an awesome opportunity coming up called Serve the City where we just go out in our six physical locations, and you can do this wherever you are, but we just partner together to make a difference, partner together to share, show, and declare the love of Christ. So just want to encourage you to sign up for that. Sign up for an opportunity that grabs your heart. Give an hour, give some time, and let's make a difference in these six cities that the Lord has, uh, has placed us in. Hey, so we're, uh, let me just kind of tell you a little bit where we're going from our preaching ministry standpoint. We're going to do a little mini-series here in the middle of the summer called R&R. So that kicks off this weekend. We've got Serve the City, as we've talked about, coming up. And then around the, the end of summer or August, we're going to start going verse by verse again through the book of 1 Samuel, an Old Testament book of the Bible, uh, and with the going to be called The Crown. So we're excited about that and ask you to be praying about that. If you're new to Rockbridge or kicking around the tires of Christianity, I'll just go ahead and tell you up front, we believe, because this is what Jesus taught and the Bible shows us, but we believe the Word of God, the 66 books of the Old and New Testament are perfect and true, sufficient and authoritative. So we draw our authority and we draw guidance and counsel and the life that God has for us is revealed in his written and inspired word. So that's why we're going to just go verse by verse again, submit ourselves to his authority and his best for us comes through his word to us. Now, I'll go ahead and say this. We're going to, I'm going to need you to help me this weekend. Uh, we're going to talk about something that may create questions, that may create some confusion. If I do that, I apologize. My email is there. You can email me personally, and I'll be happy to help because this subject that we're going to talk about is countercultural. It's revolutionary. It's something that maybe you've not heard before, but it's something I think for, for such a time as this, we really need to get in it, into this and understand uh, when we talk about this topic, we'll understand what God has revealed to us. So a disclaimer. You're going to have to think this weekend. Disclaimer. Need you to lean in and, and, and listen because we, this is something we just have not talked about a lot in, in the church, not talked about in a lot in our lives, but there are consequences from missing this. So I want to ask you to do this. Let's pray together. Ask God to help us get what he wants out of his word this weekend at Rockbridge. Let's join together. God, thank you for everybody here today. I know one thing, God, there is not a single person here today, listening today, online today, that is doing so by accident. God, you're sovereign. You knew us before we were born, before we were made, and you have plans for us, and you have hopes for us, and you died for all of us. So, Lord Jesus, we are not here by accident. So we want to lean in in faith and invite you, God, to speak to us. God, find us humble. Find us teachable. And, God, may we leave different than when we walked in. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. I hope everybody has at least has at least heard this word called life hacks or a hack, right? So just a little definition. It's any process or technique that reduces chaos in someone's life, makes your life easier to manage or more convenient. Another definition is any procedure or action that solves a problem, simplifies the task, reduces frustration in one's everyday life. Something you're like, wow, that just 
the world of, of difference. So like a, a couple uh, of examples would be this. I had no idea you could use Doritos to start a fire, right? So, you know, if you're stranded on a desert island, you can take three things, take a bag of Doritos with you, right? It's like a hack. It can act it's like you, you lack some kindling, you can't find dry leaves. Man, bust open a pack, bag of Doritos. I have no idea what that says about eating Doritos, but it certainly says something about how to light a fire. Here's another one. Like, if you want a cheap speaker for your iPhone, look at this hack, right? You just set your phone, the speaker's in a roll of toilet paper, and boom, right? You're in stereo, right? And it costs you what? I mean, nothing. That's crazy, right? Some of you are going to try that, right? And, and, and then, you know, I, I don't know if anybody has struggled with the right way to eat a cupcake. Because do you eat the top first and then you're just with the icing or you're just left with the bread? Do you cut? What do you do? Well, you make a cupcake sandwich. I just learned that this week and my life will be better from that hack. I promise you that is so amazing and so awesome. How many people struggle to fold a fitted sheet, right? Okay, if I, and, and you can't really see it, but this lady's got this incredible. I got chewed out in the Navy so much because I couldn't, I, this would have saved me, you know, so much, right? I mean, this is like a wrestling match, right? Here, this one's mind blown. So anyway, there's just life hacks that make our life easier. We're going to share a life hack from God Almighty himself. And, and I, I don't know if all of these work the way maybe that we've talked about them, laughed about them, or advertised about them this weekend. But this life hack is, is, is guaranteed to work. And I'm going to go ahead and tell us what it is. This is kind of, we're going to put the application of the entire message up front and then kind of work backwards from there. But there's a risk here, before I show you what this life hack is, there's a risk here because this could actually be the, the least applied message I've ever preached in 20 plus years. Because it's this kind of like, is this really going to work? Is this really amazing? Some of us, when you and I throw it up here, you're going to be like, Matt, I don't even know what that means. We'll get you there. Matt, I don't even know how to begin. We'll get there. Here's the life hack. Amazing from God. It's been in the Word of God since the very beginning, like Genesis 1-2, that we take a day off. Or in the Scripture language, we Sabbath, which is Hebrew, literally means stop. Literally means stop. Now, I, I know there's already like some questions and some pushback. I mean, some of you, you've grown up in church, and you're like, hey, that's Old Testament. You know, we don't have to do that anymore in the New Testament. Gotcha. Thanks. Um, we'll get there. There's, there's other of you that are like, man, man I'm, I'm just busy. I got things to do, places to go, people to see. I don't have time. You know, I got to make a living. I got to be a dad. I got to be a mom. What, I mean, I got my bucket list. I mean, we're just busy all the time. And, and then there's other people who are like, hey, actually, we, all, we, we already get a day off. In fact, we get two days off. Right? Thanks to the five-day American Western work week. We get like two days off. And, and, and so into that, let me just let me say this as we begin to reverse engineer of how we're getting to this application. Let me just say this. Just because you, we get a day off does not mean we really take a day off. I mean, if you go to work on Monday and you tell, and hey, well, how was your weekend? You say, well, we did this and we did this and we did this and I am exhausted. You did not take a Sabbath. You did not take a, a, a day off, and, and, and you're missing 
something, right? You're missing something. So listen, the Sabbath is one of the big Ten Commandments. And it's in there with don't murder and don't lie. And in fact, there's more explanation about why God commanded his people to take a Sabbath than there is about any of the other Ten Commandments. So there's something to it. We can't just say, oh, that's Old Testament. We can't just say, oh, that doesn't work in the 21st century because we're busy. We can't just say, hey, I did what I wanted to do this weekend, so I did take a day off. So that's where I'm asking, work with me. Let's work with the Word of God. So let's go to the very, very beginning. Before there were Ten Commandments, before God said, thou shalt not do anything, we are going to find the Sabbath. Genesis 1, 27. It's, excuse me, let me just cover these two points. So when we say take a day off, two things. We mean a particular day or a particular way of spending a day, and it's going to look peculiar to non-Christians. It's going to look, people are going to be like, why did you not? Why will you not? Why do you do that? It's that peculiar, okay? So let's, hold, let's, let's go in there and, and jump into Genesis chapter 1, and we'll go also into chapter 2. So God created man in his own image. Huge theology there. That's why we believe every human being has inherent dignity, worth, and value. Inherent dignity, worth, and value. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. And that's where we get our understanding of human sexuality and, and the, beauty, the beauty of being a man and the beauty of being a woman. It's all part of the dignity and the plan and the creation of God. God blessed them and God said to them, and God gives them something to do. He gives them purpose. He gives them a vocation. He gives them a calling. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. God also said, look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant on the surface of the entire earth and every tree whose fruit contains seed. This will be food for you, for all the wildlife of the earth, for every kind of bird of the sky, and for every creature that crawls on the earth, everything having the breath of life in it. I have given every green plant for you, and it was so. So God created, and God provided, and God established, and God gave dignity, and God gave purpose, and God gave significance, and God gave blessing, and then God does something incredible. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good indeed. Evening came, and then morning. It's very significant to note the order of a day in God's view. Evening, rest, and then morning, okay? The sixth day, so the heavens and the earth and everything in them were completed, finished, and everything is there for a perfect existence of eternal happiness, eternal significance, eternal joy. There is no pain. There is no anxiety. There is no stress. There is no cancer. There is no disease. There is no drought. There is no pestilence. There's no need for a hospital. There is no need for a doctor. There is no need for the police. There is no need for a military. It is just perfect as God originally intended. And on the seventh day, God had completed his work that he had done, and he rested. And he doesn't need to rest. He's God. 
But he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. Now, let's just grab some observations that need to jump out and hit us in that text. I mean, that te we can talk about how we got here. We can talk about male and female. But let's just talk about some things that jump out about our life hack of the Sabbath. All right? Here's some observations. God rested because he was finished. But God rested because he was done, which speaks to the sufficiency of his work and his provision. Everything is there for Adam and Eve to be happy and fulfilled. Everything is there from the hand of God, in the design of God, in the plan of God for Adam and Eve to do what they've been created to do, to go and enjoy walking with God, representing God as his image bearers, male and female, he created them. And then God himself modeled and embedded rest in creation. So the Sabbath is in our design before God ever said, thou shalt keep the Sabbath. So it's there as part of how we're made. It's part of, our, we require rest. We require a rhythm. It's in the DNA. And God's like, since I've made you in my image, let me model this. I will rest on the seventh day, even though he's God and he doesn't have to or need to, but he wired it into our DNA. He wired it into our makeup. I mean, your doctors probably said to you, you just need to get some rest, right? Well, the great physician himself wired that in, hardwired that in, included that in our creation. Number three, God gives Adam and Eve something to do, but puts it in a rhythm where rest comes first. Notice that? Here's all you're going to do. Evening and morning, and then the seventh day we rest. Now look what we've done. We've said you need to do something in order to be someone. God says you are someone. Yes, you have something to do, but you need to be in a place of rest before you go and do. That order is important. We do in order to become. God says be and then go do. Be with me. Be in rest. Be in rhythm. We make it backwards. A lot of anxiety comes from, I am what I do, right? A lot of anxiety comes from, man, I have so much to do, right? God gave Adam and Eve a whole bunch to do. Go fill the whole earth. Make a whole bunch of babies, cities, and families. That's a lot of work. But I want you to rest first. See, some of us right now are already saying, well, I, I can't because I've got so much to do. That's not the voice of God speaking to you. It's the voice of culture or fear, or insecurity. It's not the voice of God. We see it in the beginning. And then the fourth observation, just jumps out of the text, is the seventh day description lacks only one of the six days, only one of the seventh days that does not include the phrase evening and morning, which points us that the, the full embodiment of the Sabbath is not just a 24-hour period of rest, but an eternal rest, but a, a rest that lasts longer than one physical day, which points us to the Messiah, which points us to Jesus. Look at what Hebrews will say later. There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for the one who has entered his rest has himself rested from his works as God did from his. In other words, the laboring to earn our salvation is over and full and eternal rest is found in Christ. 
And, and, and ironically, when it says the Lord completed creation, look what Jesus says when he completed salvation. He took the sour wine and he said, it is finished. It's done. Nothing more is required of salvation. We rest in Christ. And all that's pointed to and embedded in our very creation, and it's included in our very salvation. Praise God. So, let me stop and make a big statement. If we are going to live our purpose, image bearers of God, representatives of God, calling from God, to be moms and dads and businessmen and businesswomen and teachers and coaches and policemen and et cetera, et cetera, and, and kids and, and, and students and athletes, if we're going to fulfill our destiny, be our best selves, then Sabbath rest will be a regular part of our lives. If it's embedded in creation, and the original perfection of God before any sin, before anybody was on high blood pressure because they were too stressed out, before anybody was taking a pill, before anybody was going to the bar and grabbing a drink because that's the way to re uh, get rid of your stress or forget about your problems, God said, rest. So if we're going to be our best, we're going to have to have Sabbath rest. Conversely, Conversely, aren't we often at our worst when we're burned out, stressed out, and don't have rest? Aren't we at our worst when we forget about what God has done, what God has finished, what God has provided, what God has completed? One of our big spiritual problems in the church is, is, is spiritual amnesia. So we have to be reminded of things. And so the tension that a lot of us feel when I talk about or we talk about or God's Word talks about the Sabbath is that feels like a burden. It feels foreign to us. We don't understand. But in the original design of God, Sabbath is a gift. Sabbath is a grace. Sabbath is a blessing from our great and gracious God. But do we feel it that way or do we see it that way? And interestingly enough... <clears throat> How we view Sabbath oftentimes really indicates and tells us a lot about who's God or who's a little g-God or whose authority we're actually under. Let me, let me show you this in the life of Israel. So we have Sabbath in creation. It's not been commanded yet. That's Exodus 20. That's the Ten Commandments, right? It's not been commanded yet. But this, 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 this group of people that eventually becomes the Jews or becomes Israel, they get put into bondage. It's slavery. And they're under the authority of a, of a taskmaster pharaoh. And in, in, in the book of Exodus, look what happens, okay? So the Egyptians assigned taskmasters over the Israelites to oppress them with forced labor. And they were seven days a week. There was no off. It was always on. And, and so when Moses... And Aaron first go to Pharaoh and say, hey, let God's people go. Let the people go. We want to go worship God. Stop Sabbath. Worship God on the mountain. Pharaoh's response is to turn up the heat. He says to them, Moses and Aaron, why are you causing the people to neglect their work? Get to your labor. Get to your labor. And then finally, there's 10 plagues, and this disaster hits the land of Pharaoh, the land of Egypt, and he lets the people go. He lets them go, and then what causes him to regret letting them go is this. The king of Egypt was told that the people had fled. He and his officials changed their minds about the people and said, what have we done? We've released them from serving us, from working us. This is a bad master. This is a bad master. 
And so if we're sitting here like, I can't, I, I, I can't rest, or I can't stop, or I'm so busy, maybe you have a bad master. Maybe, maybe, maybe your kid's schedule is your God, is your Pharaoh. Maybe your desire to make money that's stressing it out and stressing your marriage out is your Pharaoh. Because it's not Yahweh. It's not the sender of Jesus. It's not the creator of your body, your soul. And so maybe we're under a bad master. And we're just saying, no, that's just the 21st century. Now, God gets his people away from Pharaoh. Still hasn't commanded Sabbath yet. But then he comes to his people who have been working as slaves for hundreds of years. No day off for hundreds of years. And one of the first things God reinstitutes or God reminds or God brings back to his people, he says, this is what the Lord has said. Tomorrow is a day of complete rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. They've never, they haven't heard that ever. But it's like God saying, hey, the real God's here. And the first thing he's telling you to do is take a day off and rest. Because I got you and I got this. Wow, right? And he says, hey, look, bake what you need to bake. Get your, get your food ready. But tomorrow you're not going to do anything. Because I'm your God now. Some of you, that's what you need to hear. And then finally we get to the Ten Commandments. Finally we get to the Ten Commandments. And in that, he says, remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Which means set it apart. It's got to be particular and peculiar. It's got to be different than the other days. You are to labor six days, do all your work, but the seventh day... Is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You must not do any work. You, your son or daughter, your male or female servant, your livestock, or the resident alien who is within your city gates. And he gives an explanation. This is the longest of the Ten Commandments, the longest description, the longest explanation. It's that important. He says, For the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and everything in them in six days. Then he rested on the seventh day. Your creator, the one whose image you're designed to show to the world, right? He rested, therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and declared it holy, declared it set apart. So it, it, before we get into some other nuances, let's just ask this question. Whose authority are we really under? What voice is the loudest in our head, the voice of the God who invites rest or the Pharaoh who demands more? The Pharaoh who demands more. If money's your God, more, it will, money will always demand more. If work is your God and your identity, it will always demand more. If God is your God, he will always speak rest and peace and hope into your soul. So, so we can stop and just say this. The ability to Sabbath, to stop, is actually tied to God's ability to provide and care for his people. God's ability to deliver and save his people. And God's desire to use his people for his purposes. To use his people for his purposes. It's amazing, right? It's just all in, in the first two books of the Bible. It's there. So, let's stop. And let's ask kind of 
the question, right? So is not keeping Sabbath a sin? So we've got to wrestle with it a little bit. There's, there's not just going to be an easy, simple answer, sort of. So let's go to Paul in the New Testament and look what he says, okay? He says, don't let anybody judge you in regard to food or drink or in the matter of a festival or new moon or a Sabbath day. These were a shadow of what's to come. The substance is Christ. So if we're in Christ, we're in the Sabbath. The full embodiment of the Sabbath is resting in Christ from what, uh, what he's done in the gospel of his, his death, burial, and resurrection, and we're trusting in him. So Paul is basically saying, hey, all the Sabbath requirements and all the Sabbath stuff that you had to go through, don't let anybody judge you if you're not doing it that anymore. So in a sense, Paul's saying, no, not keeping the Sabbath it isn't a sin. And then he goes further in Romans 14. He says, look, you're going to run into people who judge one day to be more important than the other. And someone else judges a day to be the same. Let each one be fully convinced in his own mind. He's saying, hey, look, there's some conscious stuff. There's like some of us are going to say, hey, Sunday is the day that I set apart. And other people are like, man, I have to work on Sunday. And, and so Paul's like, hey, look, that, that, we're not, we don't need to debate that. Okay? So in this sense, not keeping the Sabbath is not a sin but let's 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 don't just close in prayer and go home because here's the big question that i think is a better question did the wisdom of god embedded in creation die when jesus died god's wisdom for establishing the sabbath god's wisdom for resting as soon as jesus died is did, did that wisdom just go away oh we don't need to rest anymore Physically, emotionally, spiritually. No, 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 we don't need to do that anymore. So let me, if you read the Ten Commandments, you would automatically see, man, there's wisdom in not committing adultery. There, there's wisdom in not stealing and not coveting, right? I mean, we, and even if you violated one of those, you're like, you're, you're, you're the consequence. You're like, man, I wish I could have. I wish I hadn't have, right? I mean, all, we get that. So is, are we just going to take the, the, the commandment about Sabbath, which gives the longest explanation, say, no, nah, that no longer applies. No, there's no wisdom in that. No, there's no, 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 no. That applies, Old Testament. No, there's still wisdom in that. There's still purpose in that. God's love and grace is still embodied and, and contained in that. So not keeping the Sabbath, to answer the question, is not necessarily a sin, but it often leads to sin. It often leads to sin. How many of us have done something dumb or stupid because you were tired? Now let's close in prayer and go home. No, no, no I'm just kidding, right? I mean, yeah, I mean how, how many of us have had to apologize to our spouses because we were tired or burned out or stressed out? How many of us have lost our faith because we forgot what God has done? Because we're not in a rhythm to be reminded and refreshed in what God has done. So not keeping a Sabbath, not a sin, but it might lead to sin and it can reveal sin. Not keeping the Sabbath right might reveal that your work is your God. Not, keeping, not taking the Sabbath might reveal that money or materialism is your God. What people think of you is your God. So it might, no, I don't, I'm not keeping a Sabbath, I don't have to, I'm not sinning, but it might show that you have a functional Savior, and a functional Savior is one that when it gets crucified doesn't come back to life. 
The real Savior is crucified for us, completed the work on the cross for us and instead of us, but he came back to life. Right? And, and, and it might, not keeping the Sabbath is going to rob us of the life God created us and died for us to have. Period. No debate and no discussion. So, four truths about the Sabbath. Reveals the nature of God. He's a provider. He's a rest giver. He's, what he has done is sufficient in creation and in salvation. Sabbath is a time to remind us of his provision. We forget what God has done, who God is. Sabbath invites people to trust in him. What God is saying literally in the Sabbath, in the Sabbath hey, you, what you need to do is work for the six days you work at least in that culture, and you can trust God for the rest. You can trust God. He, he, when you don't work, it, the world doesn't stop turning. Rest. And, and then the Sabbath is a gift intended to bless and refresh, not burden and confuse. So what I want to do, and we're, it's going to take a couple weeks, right, to, to navigate through this because this is a lot and this is fresh and this is like, some of us are like, wow, I have not thought about this. So if we're going to take steps to walk in the wisdom of God that's found in creation, revealed in salvation, what do we do now? Because if you're, if you're like me, right, and I'm the professional Christian in the room, right, I've got the microphone on. I mean, I, I, I'm with you. I'm like, what does this even look like? What does this look like? Because I, I, I think if we're all honest, at least if you're past your teenage years, but if you're, we're all honest, we're like, you know what? There probably is some wisdom to this thing. And, 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 and you may have gotten there because your doctor says, hey, you're at a risk of heart attack if you keep going the way you're going. Some of you, you've gotten, hey, okay, there's some wisdom there because your spouse has told you hey, you're worrying yourself to death or you're ignoring the family. Or, and, and some of us who are parents of teenagers, you see when their life's not in rhythm, why are they so stressed out? So maybe, just maybe, there is this wisdom of God thing that we need to start walking in or at least be open to and be humble and not just say, ah, oh, that's Old Testament. Ah, oh, this is 21st century. Ah, oh, man. Maybe, just maybe. So, so let's do a couple of things. Food for thought, right? First, let's do this. Let's identify. What actually keeps us from shutting down completely one day a week? What actually keeps you from doing that? And I think just, just, just reveal and be honest. And, and, and let's go a little bit deeper than, you know, just the superficial. Let's actually go a little bit. What are we actually afraid of? I think that's where you, we got to spend a little. What are we actually afraid of if we start kind of saying no or not doing some stuff in order to, to Sabbath? So let's just identify those things. Some of us, hey, we're stretched too thin. Some of us, you know, hey, man, I, I, I've put my kids in seven different events and five of them conflict. You know, I mean, all, what, let's just put it there. Some of us, like, I'm working overtime. Let's just identify. And then I think it'd be helpful to define what constitutes a Sabbath. And this is where we don't want to become legalistic, which is what Jesus railed against in the whole New Testament, right? Jesus was like, y'all have turned the Sabbath into a burden. Everybody's afraid they're going to mess up on the Sabbath when they should be receiving God's rest on the Sabbath. 
And that was, that's one of the big things about Jesus you see in the Gospels. So let's begin with the end in mind, okay? The goal of a Sabbath is to walk away refreshed and in overflow mode. We are refreshed spiritually, emotionally, mentally, relationally, and physically, and we can overflow and we can overflow the love of God, the joy of God in our spiritual walk, emotionally, mentally, relationally, and physically. We have something to give the world in which we're called to represent Christ into. So if it comes to Monday and you got nothing left, you didn't Sabbath. Or whenever, whatever day you're going to choose, or 12 hours this day and 12 hours the next, or 666, however you want to do it, right? We're not going to be legalists. But if we're not getting to overflow, man, I got nothing left for my family. We're not Sabbathing. Man, I got nothing left for my marriage. Not doing it. If your boss is like, hey, you come to work and you're, done, you're just already drained. Then something's off. So we got it. What's going to refresh and be in overflow mode? Like the Psalms, this, Psalm 23, right? My cup runneth over. Because why? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Right? I mean, it's just all built into this, okay? So let's be refreshed and overflow mode. So here's what I think. We have to establish boundaries. Now, it's easier to say you have a boundary than to keep a boundary. But we will have to say no. We will have to maybe take our phone and put it on do not disturb. Some of you just got real nervous. Why can you not put your phone on do not disturb? That reveals something about your God. Little g, not big g. We're going to have to say, set some boundaries. We're going to have to be willing to say no to some invitations or maybe opportunities. We're going to have to be willing to say no, okay? We're going to have to, what are our best practices and what are the biblical ones? Part of Sabbath is going to be, I am going to spend time with God in corporate worship, in the Word of God, uh, in worship, in creation. But somehow there's best practice and biblical practices. What are the best practices that you walk away from these things refreshed in an overflow mode, emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, and relationally? And, and your answer may look different than mine. And your answer may look different than your spouse's to some extent. Although I would encourage Sabbath together in some form or fashion, sometime, some way, right? But what are the best practices for you? And so, you know, for some of us, I know if I spent, you know, generally I take my Sabbath would be Friday and or Saturday or some combination in there, right? And I can go ahead and tell you, man, if I do this on my day off, it ain't going to help me. So I'm going to have to say no to those things. And so you got to have that same conversation with yourself, with God, and with people who know you best. Best practice and biblical ones. And then I would encourage us to all have some accountability. Who can ask you, have you rested and been with God in a way that left you refreshed and in overflow mode for the glory of God? For the glory of God. Now, here's how we're going to end today. And it'll continue the next weekend. God has given us an invitation to rest in Him. And for some of us, that's in salvation. And, and you need the rest of Christ to be saved, to realize you can't be good enough, but Jesus has died for you, died instead of you, and invites you to receive him as your Lord and Savior. One of his invitations is even, come to me, all who you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Others of us, you know, we'd say, hey, I'm, I'm saved. But if you look in your soul, your soul is burdened. 
because you're not following the God of rest, the God who gave the Sabbath. There's a little g-God who's a bad master like Pharaoh. And so maybe right now you're going to say, God, I need, to, I need to repent and come back to you and just rest. I need to quit working for an identity. I need to quit working to keep up with the Joneses. I just need to rest in you. And all of us, if, if we're talking biologically and we could talk to our doctors, or we're talking spiritually and we could talk to our creator and the great physician himself, he would say, listen, I put this in your DNA when I made you and when I made your forefathers, Adam and Eve. And that did not change and it never will, this side of heaven. And I made you for a purpose. And I made you as an overflow of my love embedded in who I am as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I made you to look like me. I made you to show forth my image into your jobs, into creation, into your families, into your marriages, into your neighborhoods. I made you to represent me. There is no higher calling, and there will never be a higher calling. I made you, men, to look like Jesus in your marriages and in your families. I made you, ladies, to look like me to your kiddos, to your family, to your neighbors. I made you to look like me. But about every seven days, for you to be your best self, you need to stop and rest. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes, please? So what I want to do, and I just want to ask us to all be as still as we can. I know it's hard. I want us to be as quiet as we can. I know it's hard because it's just so peculiar in our 24-7 on-demand culture. But your soul needs rest. Your soul needs some quiet. Your soul needs to just sense God's got you. God's got this. Whatever your this is, God has provided. God has completed God has provided. God has completed. Jesus has finished the work the Father has given him to do. And you and I just need to be reminded of that and refreshed in that and rejuvenated in that. God, I really believe there's some people here and their life is more like the Israelites' life under Pharaoh. A 24-7 rat race of slavery. Maybe it's slavery to what people think of you. Maybe it's slavery to materialism and greed. Maybe it's slavery to, to trying to be this great parent by, by putting your kids in too many things. But God, we just want to recognize that is not you. That is not your way. You're the God who gave the Sabbath, who modeled the Sabbath, and then sent your Son to provide an eternal Sabbath. So God, just, I just want to invite people as an act of faith, no feelings, no ooey-gooey, just faith, to trust you, to rest in you. 
So I'm going to be quiet. Whatever you need to say to God, soul to His Spirit, you say it. Whatever you need to surrender, you surrender. If you need to say, God, I'm leaving this Pharaoh and I'm coming with you, you say it. Name that Pharaoh and put him away and look to the God who hung on the cross and said, it is finished, it is finished, it is finished. So God, you hear our hearts, you hear our souls talking to your spirit right now in just stillness and silence. We're stopping, God. We're Sabbathing, God. Not because we have to, but because we get to. God, may the peace that passes all understanding come into every heart, mind, and soul that's walking in faith with you right now as you give your people rest and invite us to a life of rest in you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.